This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 18th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. With the election behind him, President Obama should focus more on the interventionism he's inherited from himself. Afghanistan, Syria, and a bloated military budget will loom large for the Obama administration in 2013. That according to Chris Preble, Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Well, the next big uh, piece of information that we should all be kind of focused on is the, the number of troops that are likely to remain in Afghanistan and under what circumstances. And that, and so much of the debate about Iraq ultimately um, kind of boiled down to the, the status of forces agreement and the kind of the legal status that our troops in Iraq would have, would they be protected from prosecution, uh, or that is, in the event that they uh, were accused of a crime, would they be dealt with in American courts? This is a fairly traditional expectation um, when we have uh, U.S. troops stationed permanently overseas. Um, most of the places where they are, we have extraterritoriality, which would give them those protections. Uh, that's going to be a really big uh, point of uh, con- contention, I- I'm afraid, and negotiation with the Afghans um, because Karzai and others have – have taken a position very similar to the Iraqis, which is if you're going to stay here, you're going to be subject to our laws. And I think rightly, the Obama administration did not kowtow to the Iraqis, did not capitulate, did not expose our troops to those uh, uh, risks and chose to withdraw uh, from Iraq. Uh, I think that if uh, – first of all, I don't think we need large numbers of troops in Afghanistan to pursue a narrow counterterrorism mission, which is what they should be doing. Um, so that would be somewhere on the order of maybe 10,000 troops, maybe slightly more than that. But even a small force uh, should have a, a status of forces agreement which protects them legally. And uh, I would hope that the administration does not desire to stay in the country so much that uh, they would uh, capitulate to Karzai's demands. Are there uh, pieces of rhetoric floating out there from various leaders who are occasionally on the ground in Afghanistan mm-hmm. That would indicate that we are going to continue for many years to come there? I do think that – I think the general expectation is that there will be an enduring U.S. presence, U.S. military presence in Afghanistan, enduring meaning essentially open-ended. But we have no idea how large that force will be, what exactly they will be doing, and again, what – you know – and, and how they will be treated by, uh, by the government in question. Um, look, I, I, again, I don't think that the United States needs to have a, a large presence there. Uh, but if we're going to stay, uh, I, I certainly think that we should, we should uh, have – we should be there under um, – in some kind of cooperative fashion with, uh, with the Afghan government. President Obama recently announced that – the United States now formally recognizes the opposition in Syria as a legitimate representative of the Syrian people. How, how ought we to think about the very idea that a president is sort of putting this, in, a, in some sense, a little halo over this group of people saying, we're going to talk to you? I think the, the, the key takeaway there is that uh, Assad's uh, – it's not a question of whether Bashar Assad's regime will come to an end, but when. Um, and um, if you endorse or, or uh, recognize the opposition, you are signaling that that, that is where you, you think things are going to end up. You hope 
to have some influence over who in that opposition movement is likely to be uh, the leader of a new government after Assad. But frankly, I think the United States has extremely limited leverage uh, in general and especially in Syria uh, to kind of pick winners and losers uh, in that process. Um, my position is that I certainly hope that Bashar Assad uh, leaves or falls one or the other. Uh, and I certainly hope that the opposition uh, quickly uh, coalesces behind a, a group or even an individual that can effectively represent what is a very diverse country. Um, I think that that new government is going to have to give assurances to especially the minority communities that have traditionally been allied with Assad and the Ba'ath Party. Uh, if uh, the new government does not do that, then you really have a, a danger of relapse into civil war, very similar to what happened in Iraq. Um, again, that's what I hope happens. I think it's unlikely that those things will happen, uh, but still an outcome worth um, an outcome worth hoping for, but not worth risking American lives for. The United States is, as of this recording, still somewhat dealing with the so-called fiscal cliff. Uh, sequestration is a process of moderate to small spending cuts that will be imposed in January 2013. It's unclear as of this recording whether or not that's actually going to come to fruition, but it's worth keeping in mind that sequestration was a process devised out of the inability of Congress to come to a resolution with the president last time or roughly a year ago. So uh, what do you expect to see in 2013 with respect to military spending specifically? It seems like fertile ground for Republicans and Democrats to come together to get some get some real spending reform. Right. I think there has been some uh, hope there have been some hopeful signs that uh, there is bipartisan support for additional for, for military spending cuts. I shouldn't say additional spending cuts because again, the military budget has basically been flat, especially the base budget has been basically flat for the last few years. The war costs have come down, thankfully. Uh, but total military spending remains near historic highs. Um, I think that there is a emerging consensus even among uh, uh, think tanks here in Washington who would in the past have been opposed to military spending cuts. A growing number have em embraced them. Uh, they don't go quite as far as we do, but they are signaling that cuts on the order of $500 billion, or in other words, close to what sequestration calls for over 10 years, um, are both likely and ultimately wise, strategically defensible. Um, I think through this entire sequestration debate, and we've done so much in this, Caleb, as you know, uh, we are talking about a very, very modest reduction in total federal spending and a not uh, and a relatively modest cut in military spending. Um, and so I think just keeping the bottom line in mind is useful. Um, you know, my favorite statistic on this, I cite it all the time, uh, if sequestration happens, it, we will spend $44 trillion over the next 10 years. If sequestration doesn't happen, we will spend $55, $45 trillion. Let me say that again. <laughs> we'll redo that. If uh, the, the federal government is projected to spend $45 trillion over the next 10 years, under sequestration, it will spend $44 trillion. This is not a draconian cut, and uh, we have a very, very serious spending problem on our hands, and this does not even begin to scratch the surface. 
Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.